Every channel we think about is how do we level up that trust and validation that we're getting in our brand, especially as we launch new products. So that was really, really important entering the market in a market where there was plenty of optionality and choice for the consumer. How are we going to break in and prove that we were best from day one? You're listening to Retail Remix, your inside access to candid conversations with the people shaping retail's future. Here's your host, Alicia Esposito. When I was pregnant with my son, the idea of buying things for him was overwhelming. Whether I was looking at cribs, changing tables, even toys, I was not only overwhelmed by the sheer volume of choice, but all of the other factors I had to consider while making a purchase decision. Was it safe? Could he grow with the item? Did the product help him grow and thrive and learn? And were there any possible future issues with the product that I would have to take into account? It's incredibly overwhelming, in some cases frustrating, in others upsetting, because at the end of the day, your goal is to make the right decision because the well-being of this little being is at stake. Greg Davidson and Michael Weider started their company, Lalo, with all of this in mind. After all, they were getting ready to be parents themselves. Over the years, they have focused on this mission and building a community of parents and caretakers who want to do the same, right? Create a good life for children and also support others in similar situations. During today's episode, we sit down to talk about the growth and evolution of the Lalo brands, how they root community into everything they do, and new findings from their physical store experience, their flagship in New York City. We're running this episode ahead of Michael Weider's session at our Retail Innovation Conference and Expo. We're actually going to be digging even deeper into their physical store experience, how they're bringing community into the physical space, and even embracing hospitality. So today's episode will give you just a little taste about the Lalo brand, what they're all about, and more importantly, their truly unique approach to physical retailing. Greg and Michael, thanks so much for being on the show. It's great to have you both. Thanks for having us. Yeah, this is great to be here. Yeah, I'm really excited to have you on as someone who has been watching the brand closely. I love these fascinating stories about up-and-coming brands that are accelerating and innovating, so really excited to chat with you. Before we get into the brass tacks, the very tactical and trend-based stuff, let, let's start at the beginning, the founder story, so to speak. You started Lalo with the belief that there was, or should be, a better way to shop for baby products, something that I personally empathize and relate to. What did you both personally find so overwhelming, tedious, or even frustrating about the entire process? Yeah. As two dads who have now you know, gone through the experience once and ho- hopefully soon again, right? when you go into it, especially for the first time, you don't know what products you need, why you need them, 
when you need them and ultimately what the products do. And the way that a lot of the brands at the time, uh, when Michael and I got together, were really driving the value of their brands was really through selling one product and, and ultimately really kind of creating what we felt was an unfair kind of gap between what it meant to be a really premium brand and really mass market brand. And most of the, the, the marketing was done was being really, was really product driven. I mean, ultimately, when Michael and I saw what we felt was this white space, that's when we got together. I mean, Michael, well, he is the marketing brains and engine of this business. And when I kind of had this quick aha moment around the category, I went right to him and said, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, when we look at the space, you see a lot of the legacy brands, you know, honestly, marketing through fear and anxiety. If you don't buy this product, your kid's never going to sleep or never going to eat. And we thought, well, why aren't these brands building true connection with the consumer? Why can't they market through love? And, you know, that was really, really what we saw as a huge opportunity in the space. And then the shopping experience of itself doesn't help that, right? It's daunting. As Greg said, you have no expectations and you're going oftentimes into a big box retailer with no connection to the brand. Yeah. Again, definitely something I, I relate to, especially that point around marketing through fear or uncertainty or doubt. Certain markets, maybe that resonates, but I feel like when you're becoming a parent, you're already so stressed out and uncertain and worried about making the right choice. It's like, I could imagine that could backfire in a lot of scenarios, especially in this digital world that we're in, right? It's like you're constantly pummeled by information and not just products, right? It's like how to make sure your child sleeps through the night, like as soon as they're <laughs> born, impossible. Like how to do baby led weaning, right? There's so much stuff being thrown at parents, you know, parents to be or like as soon as they become parents and it continues on and on and on. I guess you know how I feel, but I want to know how you feel about this. Like how do you feel digital has impacted parents and parents-to-be as they're going through this journey? Do you think it's helped? Do you think it's hurt? Is it a hybrid of the two? I think like most things in the digital world, it can be a double-edged sword. Digital and technology can be extremely, extremely powerful, but it can also be harnessed in, in negative ways. Or in the case of parents, it can just be add to the overwhelming and anxiety-provoking nature of becoming a parent. There's so much to worry about, so much to care about. Most importantly, keeping your child fed, alive, breathing, and growing. But we feel like it's really important to just be there in those critical moments to show up for them and, and put a little bit of clarity into it in the digital world. So we like to you know, point to resources and give people kind of a guided experience, if you will. But most importantly, the number one thing we like to build through our brand is trust, right? If, if our customers can trust us, the rest kind of follows. And we'll let our customers kind of figure out the rest. We don't want to add to that stress and anxiety through what we sell and what we do. We want to leave space and time for the parents to figure that out. And if we can assist in any way, we'll do it through resources we create and, and resources that we point them to. Yeah, and we'll, we'll get into some of those specific measures and experiences that you create for your shoppers in a little bit. But uh, again, I, I want to kind of get to the aha moment for you both as the founders, as the ones that are building this business, creating these moments of clarity, trust, and love, like, like you noted, for your audience. Like, when did you realize, like, hey, this is a big problem, but this is something we can fix, like we can tackle, like what were your immediate goals and objectives? Like how did, how did you turn this aha moment into like actions for building this business? 
Yeah. So, you know, that, that initial aha moment came a lot from watching our friends and family go through this, this experience, right? And as I mentioned before, not knowing what they need, when they need it, and why they needed it. And so, you know, as we looked at the competitive set, as we looked at the brands, they were thinking about the, the best way of getting in touch with a customer over and over was to create a new iteration of that same product. And ultimately for us, as customers were going on this journey, they're overwhelmed at, to what you said at every single moment, right? It's, it's not just like when you have the baby, there's these continuing moments that happen over and over and over. And so for us, we said, how can we build out products and also be there across the milestones that parent and children go through together? And then while being there, have that, that product and or item that, that they need. And so, you know, from honestly, we had this aha moment, Michael and I, we had dinner t- together, we had worked together a couple of years before we ended up starting Lalo. And it was really a quick conversation of like, hey, should we do this? The answer was yes. And then the first thing we did was we sent out a survey to, to almost a thousand parents, just understanding what they needed, why they needed it. What did they like about the current product that existed? What did they not like about the current brands that were out there? And then we came up with our own kind of thesis and take on the category. That's great. It's, it's so invaluable, I'm sure, just to get that broad scope of, you know, the consumer's challenges and and their needs. Because, I mean, I'm sure we can make some assumptions about that typical buyer's journey, quote unquote, for all of these different products. But of course, you know, there are different contexts of like, why someone's shopping? Like, what's the relationship? Are they the parent? Is this for a gift for a friend or a loved one? Like, there are a lot of different layers and nuances, I'm sure, that play a role and influence the decision-making process. And and I think we've all kind of had to navigate those personally. And I know like for myself personally, a lot of it was through third-party sellers and retailers, whether it be, you know, Bye Bye Baby or a marketplace like Amazon. And I guess the question for you both, again, because you, you've built this brand and, you know, it's a beautiful e-commerce experience, great social experience. I mean, what are some of the key issues or, I don't want to say issues, but maybe challenges or inhibitors that kind of come with these third-party experiences that have maybe led to your biggest opportunities for building the Lalo community, which is through that trust and through that that ease and transparency that it seems like you, you guys are doing such a great job with. I mean, where, where were the disconnects that you really wanted to hone in on and, and capitalize on? Yeah, I think for a while, the, the notion of direct consumer relied on the fact that the middleman was cut out, right? And a lot about price and the ease there. But really the power of direct-to-consumer is in the closeness between the brand and the consumer. Every day we're talking to our customers and we're learning about their needs, their wants, what, how we're resonating with them. And for us, that was at the beginning, we knew that service needed to be above and beyond our, our top priority and a competitive advantage. Because in this space, relying on third-party sellers to do your selling of your products service gets completely removed. And the only time you can show up for a customer is when there's a problem. So we can show up when someone's searching and and shopping for our products. We can show up when there is a, if there is a problem, but be able, but being able to create these deeper connections at every touch point allows solving problems to be a lot easier, allow building community and deeper connection to be a lot easier. And we leverage that throughout our business. We've created a customer council called the Lalo Fam Council where we put out applications every quarter for people to join the council and 
It's a, it's a really, really quick application process. And we get about a thousand applications every time we open up applications to it. People vying to be part of this council where they get an inside peek into what we're making and give us feedback on everything from designs to colors to even products that we're considering making. Should we make this or should we make, should we make that? And they're giving us that input that drives our business. If you're doing that as a brand through a third-party seller predominantly, that connection is impossible. So it doesn't mean that third-party sellers are out of the question or shouldn't be part of a business strategy. And as you think about expanding and growing, but as a foundation for building a brand, there's so much advantage for being in the consumer's life every day and being direct to consumer. I love that. And and for that counsel, I hope you don't mind me asking, is it just the value of contributing to the Lalo brand, helping gauge direction, new products, like gets the community excited and want to participate or are there added incentives or perks that kind of sweeten the deal, so to speak? There's like minor incentives, like everybody who gets accepted gets a little swag package and and they get access to this community. They get access to our team, access to Greg and me, which is, you know, is is valuable to them. And and being a part of, you know, forging the future of a company that they love is it seems to be enough to keep them engaged and keep them excited. And we're our our council has grown to be this amazing diverse group of, of people, of parents and, and now grandparents even. It's it's wild to see, you know, the range and, and love for their for their little ones, but they care a lot and the input and and, and advice and we get on a weekly basis is invaluable to our business. That's great. So it seems like this council is a huge differentiator for the brand, especially through the lens of, I mean, I guess the the large retailers and third-party sellers is one thing, but there are a lot of other brands too that are going direct and trying to own more of that customer experience, own more of that community. Would you say the council is a big differentiator for your brand? I mean, obviously product, but like what else kind of rises to the top when you think about what makes the Lalo brand shine? Like what would you say comes to mind? Because I feel like the most exciting, but also the most challenging thing is that in this digital landscape, like anything can be a brand. Like it's impossible, it's possible rather to create one like instantly. So what what are you doing to differentiate in light of that heightened competition and that heightened sense of like, there's always like a new brand out there. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, it's part of a larger thing. The, the council is definitely part of a larger thing and the ethos of the brand and what we're and our team and what we're building here. It all ties back to the same thing is that we actually care deep, deep, deep down about the customer and their families. And that really shows up every day in the way we design products in the way we talk to our customers, in the way we market, in the way we operate our new store. There's every day, everything is about a deep caring and understanding of families and ultimately our customers. Yeah, I, I'll just layer on to that a little bit. Michael mentioned service being such a critical, critical component of, of our business and obviously the way people feel buying from us. Our entire CX team that we've, that we've built out has been through customers of ours who have gotten the product, loved the experience they were given and wanted to join the team. So anytime anyone reaches out to Lalo for support, for help, for a question about how do I use this product? What's it for? You're actually talking to someone who on the other side of the chat or text message or phone who is, who's, who is a parent, who has been through what they're probably going through. And it's also a user of the product. And that little connection I think is so critical to ultimately making sure that this is, you know, the best experience possible 
when people are purchasing and buying from us. Oh, that's great. And are there any particular channels or tactics that have been especially valuable for for you as you've built this community and, you know, built the brands. We're seeing so much around like social commerce, live streaming. In my research, I even found a, a great video from like Babylist that was featuring your products. I mean, what what really builds this growth marketing engine or this growth engine, so to speak? Because it, it's been very fascinating to see how the brand has accelerated and evolved over the past couple of years. Yeah, I mean, for us, it's it's thinking about the customer and, and where they are. So there are different customers, whether that's a gifting customer, right? So Babylist is a fantastic channel for us. And uh, the power of registry is unbelievable in Baby. And understanding who's buying the products is really important and how we market them. So are they getting bought early on pre-birth? Or are they being bought after by the parents, most likely? And then thinking about the channels we use to do that. So we've, we've built an, an incredible army of influencers and celebrities that are brand lovers. And that's been really, really critical to our brand growth. And that's predominantly an organic channel for us. These are people ranging from, you know, your local, more regional influencer, micro influencer, all the way up to the biggest celebrities in the world, but also including experts. So people like speech pathologists and, and pediatric dietitians, nutritionists that can speak to our products and helping people start solids and and whatnot. So I would say that's really big, but every channel we think about is how do we level up that trust and validation that we're getting in our brand, especially as we launch new products. So that was really, really important entering the market in a market where there was plenty of optionality and choice for the consumer. How are we going to break in and prove that we were best from day one? You know, so we relied on validating sources like influencers and press, and, and that's been a really great big key in, in breaking through the noise and the clutter in the, in the market. Oh, that's great. And and obviously a big part of community building, helping your brand come to life, so to speak, is more and more a physical space or store. And towards the end of 2021, you opened La La Land in New York City, your first longstanding store, which is very exciting. So how did you go about deciding that a physical space was the important next step in your brand's growth? Because I know that there are always conversations around, do you open your own branded physical space? Do you just do pop-ups? Do you just do wholesale? So how did you go about that decision-making process? Yeah. Well, taking it back to right after we launched the business, we launched with a showroom in Manhattan. And this was an incredible opportunity for us, even in those early days, to meet our customer, understand their wants, their needs, but also just provide such an elevated experience to what they were typically used to while shopping in the category. In our old, spa- in our old space, which happened to also be our office, right? we would allow people to make one-on-one appointments. They could try the high chair out, see it, touch it. If, if someone, if a family was expecting, you know, we'd serve them non-alcoholic champagne. And this one-on-one connection was absolutely incredible and imperative to some of those early, early years of growth. And so as we started to grow, our product catalog got bigger. We wanted to continue that evolution and just provide a much more elevated way for shopping for these products. So today, you know, when you walk into Lalo Land, there's a living room scene, there's a dining room scene, there's a kitchen scene. It gives parents the opportunity to see these products and situations not look at high chairs as if they're TVs at Best Buy. They can understand what it's going to feel like and look like to have these products in their home. So when they when they are making a, this decision, which definitely can be a big consideration, 
they put them that much more at ease because they're you're walking away that much more knowledgeable. And so, you know, for us, it was a it was something that we've had in our our heads for a long time, and we were really excited that it's out there and been amazing since uh, since we launched it in November. Interested in learning directly from innovative omnichannel brands, disruptive DTC players, boundary-breaking tech leaders, and more? You can at the 2022 Retail Innovation Conference and Expo, taking place in Chicago from May 10 to 12. Whether you're looking to strengthen your omnichannel strategy, accelerate your e-commerce experiences, or get inspired by new design trends, we have something for all members of the modern retail business. Join executives from Coach, Foot Locker, Brooklinen, Elf Beauty, and more for one of the industry's most anticipated events in retail innovation. Podcast listeners get 50% off on all passes using the promo code RICE50P07. Better yet, early bird pricing is available until March 12th, so you'll get to save an extra $300. Again, take advantage of these incredible savings by going to retailinnovationconference.com and using the promo code RICE50P07. I always love to understand the creative process that kind of goes into these stores, because like you said, it's not just the actual design, look and feel, but like the structure. I love that idea of kind of walking through those different scenarios or seeing products in different contexts. I really think it helps kind of bring the products to life in in a more tangible way, you know, and it makes consumers feel like, okay, I can see this in my home, like, which is so important, I think, for your category and just like also home and furniture, decor. Um, But there are other things at at La La Land, right? Like there's a play space, there are classes, you know, you brought up the service. So, I mean, what kind of went into determining, you know, what components were right for this physical space? How did you go about determining, okay, this makes sense for us, this makes sense for our consumers, this is what they want? Did you even think about that? Or were you just focusing on like just the brand story and what was needed for it to really shine? Yeah, I mean, a lot went into figuring out the right experience. Um, that's probably an understatement. We, you know, we wanted to deliver more than just a place where you can shop and explore the products. Um, we wanted a place where people really felt and understood the brand and we could deliver value to our customers and our, our community every day in the New York area. In order to do that, we, you know, we thought long and hard about it, but we also tapped one of our, our trusted advisors, Will Godara, who was the owner of 11 Madison Park and you know, probably one of the best hospitality minds in the world, you know, running the number one restaurant in the world and, you know, got to talk to him about what it means to build an experience, you know, looking at the space, what kind of experiences can we develop and really thinking through how do we deliver a world-class experience when people are in the store. So it's not just the awe, like the awe moment when you walk in the door of this place is beautiful, it's bigger than I expected, it's bright, it's the home I wish I had you also leave feeling with a similar sense of that brand gets me and I love this brand. And so, you know, we've developed a couple of different concepts with the play cafe, which is, you know, what we call our five-star play experience. And it's completely free for customers and you know parents to come in with their little ones any day of the week and have free play activities at our, at our play tables, whether it's Play-Doh or a tea party or coloring, and it's all given to them for free. And oftentimes they leave with the materials that they were using in store too. So they get a little something with them. But we've also seen the longer they hang out, the more that they're likely to buy something as well. So there's, you know, a trickle down effect into the business. 
Um, but we've also created other opportunities for people to come into the store on a frequent basis. So we have a partnership with Union Square Play, who provides incredible learning and, and play experiences for, for parents and their or for little ones and their caretakers. And we have a nursing nook, which is a beautiful, comfortable space for nursing parents to just put their feet up and, and pump or feed or whatever they need to do in a, in a safe environment. And not one of those, like everybody's seen those porta potty looking things in the airport for feeding parents. But, you know, this space is, is welcoming and inviting and our bathroom is stocked with free diapers from a partner of ours, Coterie and a changing table. And it's just, you feel taken care of the same, you know, that goes back to that same thing of just caring about our customers. I mean, there's Starburst in the <laughs> yeah. in the nursing room too. I mean, who doesn't like all red Starburst? Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. That's no, the most important touch point. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I think those little touches make a really big impact, and it, and it makes sense that you brought someone in with hospitality expertise. And I know we're seeing this more and more that retail brands aren't just thinking about the aisle by aisle experience and how do we maximize revenue per square foot, but like, how do we actually create these moments of connection? So like that, that hospitality tie, like the partnerships with similar and local organizations that can contribute to the experience. So impactful. And I love that notion of the trickle down effect that happens when you can bring people in and they don't feel pressure or feel an associate breathing down their neck, right? Like they can actually interact and play and experience the brand and the products. And speaking of trickle-down effect, I'm wondering if you've learned anything more about your consumers with this new store. So like we've been hearing a lot about this notion of like the halo effect, right? Like when someone is in the store, they have that time, that that experience, that enjoyment, and then it leads to a longer-term engagement with the brand digitally. Have you realized anything like this yet or any new findings about what that longer-term impact is of that physical interaction? Yeah, I mean, it's something we, we try to measure on an ongoing basis. And, you know, there's still a ton of learning to do. You know, we've been in, in market now for three months. And, you know, a big portion of that Omicron was, was pretty present. So there's a ton of learning and seeing what, what's going on. But we... We have started to see some effect in the New York in the New York metro region. I mean, we see uh, a, a conversion rate lift on our e-commerce, um, and I think part of it is from people that are coming into the store, but it's also just more brand energy, right? There's a lot of Lalo energy going into the New York market right now within our customer base, and can we use the idea of having this foothold and this this what we call brand cathedral in our flagship as an anchor point? for customers to be talking about the brand because we know in this market, word of mouth is 10 times more important than most other markets. And of course, referral is always a way of people learn about other brands. But in our market, it's oftentimes the way people start their shopping journey, their consumer journey to buying a product. So it's, it's even, it's an elevated importance on the need for word of mouth and the need of, of you know, raising kind of raising the tide or the energy around the brand. That's excellent. And I know it's it's been a few short month and, months. And like you said, Omicron definitely has impacted behaviors and actual visits to physical spaces. But I mean, have there been any other learnings about your target consumer with this physical space, 
what they are gravitating to when when they come to the store? And like, are you kind of using this space to test and learn anything else that you think is worth noting? Yeah, I mean, we are seeing a lot of interesting things in terms of shopping behavior. We know that if we have more product in the store, we'll sell more product. We're seeing that our units per transaction in store are almost double what they are online, which is incredible. And part, we, we partnered with a lot of brands to sell complementary products to things we sell um, or you know, that are related in the space that we know our customer will want. And they're Lalo verified products. So the customer knows that if we're carrying that product, it's good for us. It's good for our families. It should be good for your family too. So I think us having that stamp of, stamp of approval on the other products, the non-Lalo products we're selling in the store is having impact too. And it gives people an opportunity to buy every time they come in as well. And not just, you know, for our products, oftentimes, you know, high chair, maybe you're buying one for your house and maybe one for grandparents' houses or for a second child, but that there's not repeat ability every day. Yeah. And I, one other thing, which is, you know, not necessarily data-driven. I think we, we always knew the importance of building the community. We always knew the, the potential of you know, La La Land really becoming a community hub. But what we're seeing around you know, the Play Cafe, especially you know, before Omicron and starting to see pick back up again, is parents just want a safe place. They can come with their kids, they can be entertained, and they can be incredibly happy. And so our Play Cafe, which is you know, what we say is our, our five-star play experience, not necessarily a five-star dining experience, but where kids can either do a Play-Doh project, a coloring project, or, or play with a tea set. We have families coming back over and over and over again. I mean, some of the families even know our store manager by, by first name base at this point. And that closeness with our customer and pro- being able to provide them something outside of just the product has been amazing. And just to get that feedback from is uh, has been imperative. Yeah, I think if anything, the surge in social media for parents, caretakers, and, you know, the building of that digital community, it, it's kind of reignited the importance and the role of like the physical village, if that makes sense. And I feel like, you know, you guys are doing important work creating that space and that opportunity for them to use your store as a point, because like, I know for me, like when my son, he's four now, but when he was a baby, like finding things to do with him and to create an opportunity for myself and like my husband to meet other parents, like it's daunting. Like you're trying to keep like this little being like alive and thriving, but like also like get that network of support. So just offhand, like I just wanted to say like you're, you're doing incredible work trying to create those spaces and those moments for people because it's important. So thank you. Thank you so much. On behalf of parents everywhere, I guess. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you're welcome. Yeah. (laughs) No, this has been really fascinating too, just from a coverage standpoint, just looking at how you've been able to build this brand and, you know, build that trust, build that community that so many brands and retailers are, are trying to do that now. Like they're trying to like reverse orchestrate the building process, but you guys are doing it from the ground up, which I think truly speaks to your mindset and how you've been able to stand out in the world. But, you know, as we kind of think through 2022 or even 2023, I mean, what's kind of top of mind for you as you think about the growth playbook, so to speak? Is it more physical spaces? Is it expanding social commerce? I mean, you don't have to get as granular or tactical, but like, you know, what's really top of mind for you both as the as the co-founders? Man, there's a, definitely a lot on our plates. Uh, <laughs> loaded question. Yeah, lo, lo, loaded question. I'll probably answer part of it. I'm sure Michael will uh, will definitely hop in. You know, I think from 
There's, there's a lot, right? I think internally, there's definitely team build. You know, we built a fantastic team thus far and want to continue doing that. You know, I think externally, you know, as we think about our product set, you know, our goal is to really be, you know, within every room within the home. So be able to have that Lalo footprint in each of those rooms and being able to build out, you know, large enough collections where there's multiple things to buy. And so, you know, over the course of 22 and even 23, you'll definitely start to see us get into a lot more rooms with our product offering and also each each offering to get a little bit more robust in terms of the collection that we're able to offer, which we're very excited about. I mean, we see a ton of traction already by just having our, t- you know, selling tableware, you know, with our high chair. And we want to continue doing that across our entire product range. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I think that one of the, the, the shopping experience is going to continue to evolve as as we grow our assortment. So, you know, Combining those two things together is, going to, is a really, really big focus to make sure that as our product line scales, our service scales, our shopping experience scales, both in-store and online in a, in a true omni-channel approach. Love that. And any trends in particular that you're excited to test or look into? I mean, obviously, everyone's talking about the metaverse right now. Is there going to be a Lalo metaverse experience? Never say never, I guess, would be my <laughs> answer to that. I think I think we're continue, we're focused on continuing to grow and scale the business right now. And, you know, when we think about trends, we also think about what trends we can start and how we write our own playbook. So, you know, there certainly are a lot of interesting trends with social and and TikTok and moms in particular, the fastest growing segment of users on TikTok and how, how are the social platforms continue to integrate with the commerce platforms, um, is going to be a really, really interesting thing to watch. And we've seen a lot with payments over the last few months between Instagram and, and Google and Shopify. There's a ton of there's a ton more to come on that side, I'm sure of it. But for us, we really think about our consumer and 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 how it how they behave differently. I think one thing we've learned over the last few years running Lalo is there's a lot of there's a lot of noise out there in the e-commerce world that's almost completely irrelevant to the baby space, and we need to stay focused on our customer and how they behave and build systems and processes and a business that responds to that and not just what's going on in, in the greater e-commerce world. Yeah, when when I have not heard of people having babies in the metaverse <laughs> yeah. yet, but if if they do. We'll, we'll be we're, there. We're, we're, we're there. We're, we're starting. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're delivering babies in the metaverse. Exactly. <laughs> okay, I don't know if I want to be heard, there. You heard, you heard it here honest. first. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it will be a bigger hospital room than the ones in New York. Yeah, that's for oh, sure. That is for sure. Yeah. Everybody gets a private room. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to run to the Limitless. Desk. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Exactly. No, this has been great. And, and I honestly think that point around just being intentional and being focused on the, the customer. I mean, that, that ties back to recommendations and insights that any brand and any retailer can use, right? Because I think it's so easy to get, I don't want to say lost in the trends, but get overly excited about them and just, you know, creative wheels start spinning. But it's like at the end of the day, does it make sense for our customer? And I think you know, that that's really what it all comes down to. But Greg, Michael, this has been fascinating. Again, it has been amazing seeing your brand evolve and grow. And we love seeing these online only DTC brands go into stores and really bring their communities to life and and see new opportunities that exist in this world of retail. So thank you again so much to both of you for taking the time out to chat with me. Of course. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. 
And uh, to all of you out there, if you have any follow-up questions for Greg and Michael, we would love to hear them and keep this incredible conversation going. Drop us a line on Twitter at our touchpoints or on LinkedIn at retail touchpoints. And hopefully it'll lead to some more ideas and opportunities that that exist in this evolving D2C landscape. And if you like what you heard, please, please drop us a rating and review on your preferred podcast player. We are on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, frankly, anywhere else you listen to podcasts, we are there. And subscribe to the show. We are having some incredible conversations with brand founders and leaders like this one. So subscribe and you will get a new episode on your preferred device every week. Thanks again to Greg and Michael and thanks to all of you. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of Retail Remix. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. You can find us on your favorite podcast player. Until next time, keep mixing it up.